There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tampa Bay Rays beat the Yankees 7-5 in Game 2 of their American League Divisional Series. They are now tied that one 1-1. Yankees trailed 5-1. Before a couple of Giancarlo Stanton home runs, including a grand slam, Tyler Glass now with a good performance. It'll be Charlie Morton that'll go for the Rays tonight in Game 3. And can the Tampa Bay Lightning keep their core of players together and make a run for another Stanley Cup? We've got all that and more to talk about with Tom Jones, my former radio partner and longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Tommy, we have all just been witness to the Tampa Bay Rays beating the Giancarlo Stantons 7-4. That ball's still going, by the way, that home run. Holy mackerel. (laughs) I wet myself at home. Seriously, I was watching a game. He hit it. I wet myself. (laughs) That's how hard. That's how much I was scared of that home run. Holy Wow. (laughs) Didn't need to hear that. Um, All I could think of was... Kevin Costner in in, uh, in Bull Durham where he walks out and he says, man, anything goes that high and that fast, I ought to have a blankety-blank stewardess on it, don't you think? You know what? i wow, tell you one time. I, I saw a uh, – remember there was a dude from Sarasota High School. His name was Greg Blosser. This was years ago. I think he actually had a cup of coffee in the majors. And he pitched – and I was covering a state playoff game, and it was and he was facing – remember Sterling Hitchcock who played at Armwood High School, yeah. I believe. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I have this right. And it was during a, it was during one of these like district games or regional games or whatever. And Greg, Greg Blosser hit the longest home run I've ever seen off of Sterling Hitchcock. And after the game, really? I'm like, uh, and Sterling Hitchcock was a senior in high school and he's just a kid, you know. And I'm like, oh man, he's going to be just devastated by this. And they lost and everything. And and I went up to him and I was kind of sheepish about it. And I was like, yeah, the home run. And he turned to me and goes, have you ever seen a ball hit that far? I was like, no. He goes, that's the furthest ball I've ever seen in. How far do you think that ball went? And I just thought, from then on, I'm like, Sterling Hitchcock is the coolest kid I've ever met in my player. life. That he, yeah, that he was just like, he, like even he was in awe. And I wonder, if, like, even if Tyler Glass, I'm sure at the moment Tyler Glass saw, but I wonder, like, like, yeah. t- like after the game, if he looks back, he's like, holy mackerel, was that ball lit up. Awesome. I'll say this. I've never. I don't know that I've seen a guy. If that ball had had a string on it, he would have been pulling it back because <laughs> I don't know. You know, you see the pitcher's release. You see the pitcher's reaction when they know they made a mistake. I'm telling you, this ball wasn't out of his hand. He was already like going into the fetal position. Like, why did I throw it there? Oh, I mean, no. it was so quick. You know, yeah. it was it like was unbelievable. Boom, break. <laughs> you know, like I mean, it was. In, he was so crestfallen that he threw. And a fastball at that, like, what are you doing? 
And then, you know, after that, it was it was just all sliders in the dirt that they were yeah. swinging at. It. Well, that's, it, I'm it, telling you, I mean, Stanton would thing. not see another strike. Although they struck him out later in the game. Never. Was, big, but he well, would, on I, sliders. On yeah, three sliders. I, yeah, he's not seeing any more fastballs from me. I'm not sure no, he's seen any God, more strikes no. from me the rest of this series. He's not going to beat me. Good point. Yeah. No, nah, good point. I mean, why, why would you throw anything close to the plate, especially 2-0? I mean, that's the thing. Like, Snell did that, too, where, you know, this is not the lineup you want to go ball one, ball two. You know, three and yeah, one. Right, right. You just don't want to do that to these guys. I mean, they are just, they're just maulers. And I mean, they're up five to one, and all of a sudden it's a dog fight. Boom, it's five to four. By the way, did you hear? Did you hear your boy, John Sterling's call? No, on on which one? On, Stan, uh, Stan someone? On Stan? Yeah. No, no it was cla- on the Grand Slam. Uh, oh, so he has what, this thing. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know John Sterling. <laughs> You must not be a Yankee fan or haven't listened to radio on the Yankees in about, oh, I don't know, 80 years. I think he called Ruth and Gehrig. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, he's been a while. And, and, of course, we tried to have him on a radio show. That didn't go too well. <laughs> you got to tell that story. <laughs> when, well, we're going to. We're absolutely going to. So um, the Yankees were in town. And, uh, you know, as, as, as was many often the case when the Yankees or some other club was coming to, uh, yeah. to St. Petersburg, um, we would we would get like an opponent's kind of scouting report, and very often it came. Our producer would arrange for it to, to come from, you know, the the visiting broadcaster. You know, which I mean, let's face it, we're a morning show. Nobody likes to get up, especially when you're calling night baseball right. um, or flying in from someplace. You know, wants to get up before nine o'clock uh, and do our show. But nonetheless, most of them did, and they were they were always very good and very nice. In fact, we had Susan Waldman; she was excellent. Oh, right. Susan she, Waldman was the best. She was great. I love Susan <laughs> Waldman, and I don't even know why. After you tell this story, you can not, then you'll know why we only asked for Susan Waldman from then on. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, oh you don't want to do the Susan Waldman now because I said no. yeah, I teed you up. I mean, no, 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 okay. no, no. You, you want to wait? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Okay, because I love what she used to say. She was in love with Joe Madden. Let me just put that out she there. She was in love with Joe Madden. Was, yeah, yeah, and she had she the great. Loved, Moment. If you ever go on the internet, I think it was Opie and Anthony was, was that talking about. Oh, and Roger Clemens is in George's box. <laughs> when Roger Clemens came back, it's it's very R rated. It's very R rated if you ever yeah. look it up. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's we're very not do funny that. at the same time. But anyway, go ahead. But John Sterling, go ahead. So so John Sterling, John Sterling is asked, and of course, you know, he's the guy um, that. If you listen to him, he's always the Ninnis High, Ninnis Far, Ninnis. He has all the nicknames, you know, and it's an A-bomb from A-Rod, you know, and all that stuff. And and really, he stole the whole gimmick from Snagglepuss. I don't know if you remember the cartoon <laughs> character, Snagglepuss, yeah. where he was like, heavens to Murgatroy, exit, stage right. That's exactly who John Sterling is, right? He's just, never he's made just that Snagglepuss. you absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, he is. He's that guy. Heavens, hitters pie. Heavens to Megatroy. Exit. Stage right. It is gone. So, um, anyway, we so we're trying somehow. Our produ- was it our producer that asked? Yeah, I John think? Momola, who was you know back. John Momola, producer that's uh, still at the uh, uh, DAE. He asked um, if Sterling was interested in coming on. And and only in the John Sterling voice, Tommy, what did he say? He said, why would I get up that early to talk to you? 
<laughs> and John, I guess Mamola was like, I guess you wouldn't. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and then the next day he's like looking for a number only... for Susan Waldman. Yeah. <laughs> Which she was like, oh, it's great to be with you. I just love Joe Madden. Well, and it's funny, too. And just uh, as a real quick aside, so our buddy Ira Kaufman, you know, worked for the Tampa Tribune for years. Uh, he, uh, he grew up in New York. And I guess years ago, John Sterling used to have a talk show in New York. And... Ira called in like it was God, like Christmas. Can you imagine that? He called in on Christmas Eve. It was like a Christmas Eve show. And he, he calls in to complain. Ira calls in to complain about like the Nets or something. And John Sterling says, let me ask you something, Ira. And he said, you know what? You have a shrill voice, an annoying voice. And I don't want to hear from you. And hung up on him. And Ira's like, it's one of his favorite moments of Ira's life. He goes, I got hung up on by John Sterling. Uh, anyway, so John Sterling did, did I call in and did did did, did, I, did I call in and go, eh, John, Johnny, <laughs> eh, Johnny. JS? Uh, I mean, Nets, you know, Nets struggling a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> Nets, Mets, Nets. Um, so yeah, so so the uh, the uh, the Grand Slam. Yeah, I happen to be uh, hearing a replay of it on uh, on on the radio because I I went out for a a burger uh, and. Um, so, so I have not heard what he says about Giancarlo because I try to imagine, right? Like, what what would you say about Giancarlo? You know? Yeah, I'm not sure what. Like, it's uh, it's is. it's a Farlo from Giancarlo. Like, I you know what what would you, what would you say? What would you say? And so it's like you know, there's a drive. Min is high. Min is far. Min is gone. A grand slam. A Stantonian home run. Stantonian home run. Ugh. I don't even know what that means. Do you know, know what that what means? Is. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Stanton. What's a Stantonian? I don't. Yeah. A Stantonian. Uh, Stantonian home run. Why would I <laughs> get up that early up to you. talk to you? <laughs> I guess you won't. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Exit baseball. Stage left. Um. Anyway, we digress. Okay, so this game um, is just the way you would script it. <laughs> the Rays out homering the Yankees. What the hell? Uh, they get up 5-1, to one and, um, you know, you, pretty soon you start asking, is there any guy on that staff that can hold, like, I don't know, a three-run lead, a two-run lead, a one-run lead? But Tyler Glass now turned out to, to anchor it just enough. Let me just say this. Tom, I don't know how long you've been watching this guy because I think he's been up for about three weeks, and he's hit 20 home runs. This this Randy, Ara, Randy Arozarena, yeah, this guy's like Roberto Clemente. He's been unbelievable. What, what can't he? What can't he do? No, I mean, the guy can run, got tremendous arm, and the home runs now. I mean, you can't get him out. Number one. He's been tremendous, and it's really important, too, because, I mean, Brandon Lyle's off to a rough start uh, in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until Meadows hit that home run, you know, you didn't know what you were really going to get from him. So there were there were key parts of this lineup. Uh, but this guy's come through in a big-time way and, and really has been the MVP through these first two games. I'll tell you what, though, Rick, this, you know, I mean, we had there was a dicey ninth inning uh, in game two with um, Fairbanks, really struggling before he found his groove. And then, of course, the night before with Curtis in game one. You know what the problem is, Rick? And we can sit there and we can talk about Cash and his use of the bullpen, and we can talk about how the back end of the bullpen is struggling a little bit, their A bullpen and their B bullpen. But the problem is, Rick, 
they needed three outs on game one just to give themselves a chance. They needed three outs to make things a little bit easier in game two. And the problem wasn't the three outs in the ninth. It was the three outs in the sixth, Rick. They, these starting pitchers have to go deeper. They need six innings out of yeah. Glass now. They need six innings out of Blake Snell. And if you look at back at that game, especially game one, if Blake Snell can get you six, that backs everybody up an inning. They can't consider, mm-hmm. look, they're not going to win this thing if they're only getting five innings out of their aces. And I'm not, I, under, I understand that their pitch counts, I'm not saying you throw them back out there no matter what. And maybe Glass not was done at that point. I'm not blaming Cash for pulling these guys. But, Rick, if you're going to be a big-time ace, you're going to be studs in the playoffs, you got to go more than five innings. Yeah, you know, early on in the year, it was obvious, you know, these guys weren't built up, so they were they were obviously, you know, on the pitch counts and things like that. But, I mean, first of all, do you do you trust Blake Snell to ever get the five? I mean, it seems like he's got 60 pitches after two. I know. I mean, he's done this all year long where he nibbles and, um, you know, he's a strikeout guy. He's not a pitch-to-contact guy. So, you know, every batter is going to go full count, and he just, he just burns himself out. And then you're right. That does not help. That's not what an ace does, right? That, that That's not – um, you know, when you hand the ball, you know, to Justin Verlander, you hope to get five. I mean, like that's that's sort of not. You go out there, you attack hitters, and and you get in the dugout. I mean, that's what you want. Um, and to some degree, Glasnow has been. Although Glasnow, I mean, you got you to say this. Look, they're ten and zero in his last ten starts. I mean, it's, he's you know, done everything funny. he can they do to help went, them win. They both went five innings, Snell and Glasnow. Yeah, they both gave up four runs in those five innings, and yet it felt like Glasnow yeah, pitched. Well, a thousand times better than Blake Snell did. And really, when you look back... Because he made time, one bad pitch. Well, it was one bad pitch. Yeah, it was the groove shot, the, the moon ball. <laughs> I mean, woo. Yeah. <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton hit. But other... I mean, other than that, I mean, he struck out 10. He he went after him. He attacked right. him. And, I, and I, I, I hate to beat up Blake Snell because he's been really... And I was encouraged after the game against Toronto, the playoff game, that oh, Blake gosh, Snell pitched amazing. the way he yeah. did. And I'm like, all right... If he can get it going now, but I, just moving forward, if let's say let's say they survive this series against, and there's a long way to go before they do that against the Yankees, they're they're gonna if they get into the ALCS, they're gonna need some they're gonna need a game where where Blake Snell gives you like six seven innings one of these one of these times. Like it's almost like Garrett Cole the other night in Game One. I don't even think Garrett Cole had his A stuff. He was okay, right. but he still gave him six, and he was strong at the end. Like. That's six and the, and the big yeah. shutdown innings. Those were big. Now I will say this with Glass. Now, yeah, he gave up the home run to Stanton, but they they tacked on a couple more runs and then he went back out there and gave him a real big shutdown inning, and was able to get him. You know, uh, he was until, dominant until the yeah, fifth, in his yeah, last inning. But um, but boy, well, the I guy mean, that we're not talking about, I mean, that that actually won the game for them is Nick Anderson. Oh, for sure. I mean, Nick Anderson gives them two innings, and and you know, Joe Ma used to do this too, and and Kevin Cash does as well. Sometimes your your high leverage innings is not there. It's not the ninth. That's right? right. It's not the three outs in the ninth. It's it's when you're clinging to a lead a little bit and um and you got the heart of the order and and you know you've seen Giancarlo go deep and all that and you need to you know you need to get you need to shut down inning and he went out there and was fantastic. Oh, and he got. I mean, he got he got the big guys too. I mean, he got Judge, he got Stanton, he got Void. Yeah. I mean, those were the guys that you need to get. And really, when Fairbanks came in the game in the ninth inning. It's seven four, and you're looking to close it out. But that you were hitting, such as it is, the the weaker part of the Yankee lineup. Although it seems like everybody in that Yankee lineup can go yard on you, but at least it, you know, you're right. Like I thought it was a really good move by Cash to put 
uh, Anderson out there when he did because the save the safe situation was the set that was the seventh the seventh inning was the inning he had to get through two guys on nobody out that's right uh, and he came, and he ended up going two innings which is what you needed like we were saying with with Glass you're gonna mm-hmm. have to piece together three more outs somewhere because Glass now didn't give you six so you had to find three more outs. Well, he gave you the three more outs. He, six batters, six outs, four strikeouts, I believe it was. He was really yeah, the, the key to that game. But, look, this is going to be a fun series. I, I I, think we saw in game two, Rick, the difference between, over, I think, over the long haul. If the, if the Rays are going to win this series, I think they're going to have to win it in four. But I think they can win it in four. You don't want to get Cole again if you can avoid that, although Cole would be going on three days rest, assuming he pitches game five. But the the race pitching, I, if you remove Cole, let's even say I'll give you the we'll, we'll knock we'll scratch him out. Take away Snell from the Rays, take away Cole from the Yankees. From then on, the Rays I think the Rays have the better pitching. Now their the mm-hmm. Yankees bullpen's really good. They're a bullpen, particularly when you get into like Britton and and Chapman. Chapman, which which that was their thing that hurt too. That game game one, Rick was Chapman not pitching, and now he hasn't pitched in two games, but. Right. It's the best out of three now, and 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 you would assume that he could be available for at least two of those games. So, um, but I, I like the race well, pitching from here on out, starting pitching particularly, the next two games. I do too. I it's it's fine if Chapman doesn't pitch because they're behind and they don't need a save. Right. You know, the best thing, the best way to keep him down there is to have a lead in the ninth inning, and you won't see him uh, unless it's just a you know, close. But um, yeah, and, and and by the way. Who is Peter Fairbanks? Wasn't there a great? I can't find him. Wasn't there a great actor named Peter Fairbanks? Am I missing something here? There's a Douglas Fairbanks. Seems like he right? should have been on the FBI or something. I can't. <laughs> or on Hollywood. There was Douglas Squares, Fairbanks. Like, is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> it sounds like an actor's name, right? <laughs> it does, right? And starring Peter Fairbanks. Rita Hayworth as, and Peter Fairbanks you know. in. Yeah, some guy from the forties. Some guy's like, rah, rah. yeah, <laughs> talks like this. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. But um, like no, I mean, look, I mean, I mean he had once he dialed it in. I mean, you can tell these guys are ramped up. I mean, Tyler Glass not throwing a hundred. Oh my God, he was throwing a hundred, man, a hundred and one. And then uh, and then Fairbanks yeah. was hitting a hundred, which is more than he normal. Although he's a hard, he's probably the hardest guy in that bullpen. But he, you know, right. he was up over a hundred. But you know, it, it was funny because at one point when they, <laughs> remote speaking of bull, every every pod we do comes back to bull dorm, obviously. But that's um, fine. I'm good with that. But there was there was at one point, you know, where where the announcer in the race, I'm not even sure who the announcer was on TBS, but he was like, uh, he's like uh, Anderson. You know, he's he's faced, he's thrown 18 pitches, 16 of them strikes. It sounded like the line in bull dorm, and I felt like, all right, you got to hit the bull. <laughs> You gotta hit the ball just to throw him <laughs> off. Like it's like I don't know where it's seriously. I wouldn't step in there for you. I don't know where it's going. Well, Fairbanks was one of those guys. Like man, this pitch could go anywhere. Those first few batters. Right. He swear finally, to God, I wouldn't dig in. I don't know. Where <laughs> he it's finally going. dialed it in yeah. and and uh, look, the guy, the dude throws hard, man. But uh, oh my God, he he throw he could throw it literally through the ball through the wall. But um, he was he was sweating. He looked. I mean, I said before the podcast, he looked like Albert Brooks in broadcast news. It was like. <laughs> People are calling in saying, "What's wrong with me? I have a heart attack." I was like, "Take a breath, bro. Just back up. Yeah, Just take calm a breath down. here. Shouldn't have drank that five-hour yeah. energy right before you went out there. Yeah, right. Calm down. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah, a bowl, I'm Red telling bowl, you what, maybe. though, Rick. I mean, over the course of these two games, um, I mean, you throw out the ninth inning of the top of the ninth in Game One, and the Rays have really hung in there. The, the Yankees. This was a scary team coming into this series. They were really starting to. 
look like the Yankees we that everybody thought they would be. Where everybody's healthy again, particularly well, Stanton that and lineup. Judge. I mean, I mean, yeah, where's the weak part in that, that lineup? Yeah, there's none, and there, you can't listen. And this is this is going to be the thing, and this is how the Rays got to you know forty and twenty. But I mean, you're not going to go up against many teams and say the Rays are better one through nine or one through eight or whatever right. the lineup is that night. That's just not going to happen. I mean, they are the some of their parts guys, right? But one through twenty-five, one through forty, they've got you. Right, the depth and and the injuries and the things you know, twelve different guys with saves and, um, you know, it's they, just they, such they, a they weird just come team. at you. It's just such a weird team, Rick. Like you know, you get somebody like Zanino comes up there and he looks helpless sometimes at the plate, and then all of a sudden he hits a jack. It's a it's big a home run too. Yeah. And then Kiermaier yeah. comes up, he's like oh for six and no and leaves guys on leaves yeah. guys second and, th- and I was thinking, oh my gosh, that second he came up with guys on second and third and one out. And you're like, they need to, they yeah. need more runs. They need more runs. And I think at the time it was like five one, and this was before yeah, the Stanton home run. And you're, and because yeah, because the next half inning is when Stanton hit the home run. But he ends up hitting like a feeble little pop up. You're like anything else. Like if you just could have pounded into the ground, you would have scored a run. And then you're thinking like, oh, okay, he's not going to do anything tonight. And then he came up with a big hit later in the game. So these you, guys will go through hit, stretches yeah. where they just look horrible, and then all of a sudden they they get a big hit. And they win ball games because of it. So, yeah, it was clutch. They um, look. They had to tie it up. I mean, you, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where down 0-2, series is pretty much over, and you got you got Charlie Morton. And I don't know what you know. Charlie Morton's pitching so many big games now. You know, towards the end of the year, it looked like he got got his curveball back a little bit, but he hasn't exactly been that consistent. You know, it's just been an uneven year. Not well, and a lot same of these thing guys. with Tanaka too. I mean, Tanaka, he's going game right. three, right? So. Tanaka is one of those guys yeah. where it's. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if he came out and threw seven innings, two hit ball, ten strikeouts, or that he didn't get through to second. You know, he's one of those. You could get anything out of him at this point. So I like Morton better, though. Yeah. I think. I think. In a big game, I think. Yeah, I kind of do, and I think you know the Rays are swinging the bats good. Which going into it, I mean, if if you're going to say you know the Rays are pitching in defense that they weren't going to hit, I mean, certainly. They're not going to out homer the Yankees very often. I mean, that's that's not the way you're you're going to necessarily win. It's funny though the but, way that this the way that the, all the postseason baseballs changed so much. And there was a point in the game where they were talking about Glass now had set a record for uh, most strikeouts by a Rays pitcher in a postseason game with ten, and there was also the most homers they'd ever hit in a postseason game with four, whatever it was. And one of the, I don't know if it was Ron Darling or who the play-by-play guy was, it was basically, I guess, Brian Anderson, right? The other Brian Anderson. Um, They were saying, like, that's baseball today. Like, every record set, it's like a home run record or a strikeout record. And that's the way the game. And we haven't seen hardly in this series at all any team string, like, four, like, out of six batters, like, single, double, you know, uh, sack fly, another single, double. Like, no one's stringing together these big, long innings with six, like, five, six hits in an inning. It's a, it's all just maybe draw a walk and then hit a home run. It's all three-run homers. It's all two, you know. It seems like every run scored right now is a home run. And a lot of these series are like it's that. It's home run or strikeout, game. isn't yeah. it? Isn't yeah. that that's what the game is now, home run or strikeout? It feels like it. And it's – I was watching mm-hmm. that. There was a game earlier this uh, – Cincinnati and Atlanta early in the playoffs where it went, like, 14 innings. And every guy came up just trying to win it by himself, just swinging out of their shoes, and and everybody ended up striking out. 
And that's why you end up going 15 innings with nobody scoring a run. So it's just a weird it's a it's just weird how the game's being played. But I'll tell you what, I the Rays, I mean it, it's funny. I they don't have a judge or stand necessarily, but they have a lot of guys that can hit home runs too. You know, Choice hit uh hit one, hit in a series and Zanino and um you never know. Like Meadows hits a home run, so they can they can mash yeah, with you still got Sutsugo on the bench and and yeah. um you know I mean you hope Garaz Brandon Lau Arena gets hot again at some point. Been so. their guy. Brandon Lau, yeah, he he led them in home runs. So yeah, I mean they're a confident ball club. Look, there's you don't win forty out of sixty and not not think you can beat anybody. And they certainly beat the Yankees during the regular season. I know Judge and Stanton and some of those guys were out, but they're not afraid of them. And and it's not Yankee Stadium, right? Where I think they exercised some of those demons, although there weren't fans there. That's the other thing. Like, does that help? How much does that help the Rays? Right? Um, how much does it help them to just be playing in a you know hermetically sealed ballpark in San Diego? I think it probably helps. Now, I, you know, I went to those, you went to a playoff game last year, right? With did in the did you oh, go the to the atmosphere was unbelievable. Houston, it was at the drop. unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I went to yeah game four, yeah. But Yankee Stadium, I now I've been to playoff games at Yankee Stadium too, and they're, I mean, it's a rowdy, it's a rowdy, it's a different crowd. sound. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah, may, maybe Fairbanks. They're on you. Doesn't get through now. Tonight's game would or uh, game two would have been at the Trop. But under normal right. circumstances, but, but in that situation with that yeah. crowd, what they can do to you, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm think sometimes sure. it's better to to be in a in a in a sort of a quiet sort of antiseptic stadium like like maybe playing with. I'll games. say this, and uh, this isn't a slight to anybody, but um, I'm kind of digging the cutouts. I don't mind. I it. don't miss watching when I watch games on TV. I got to be honest, I don't miss seeing people. <laughs> I kind of like looking at the. I mean, I don't know why. I I just kind of like looking at the cutouts, seeing who's out there. Does that sound odd? No, it kind doesn't of a sound static. Odd. Now, here I a, have a question for you, and I did. I'm unsure about this. I didn't know. So, you've been to two road football games now with the Bucks, right? You've been to New correct. Orleans and you've been to Denver. Mm-hmm. So that crowd noise we're hearing, are you hearing it at the stadium or no? Um, is there crowd? Do they pump in? Crowd There's way more, from what I understand, in just watching the replay of the games because I I you know get it on the on the uh, interweb. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the TV noise is not what we is not what you hear in the stadium. In other words, it's much more on television. It's it's much more scientific. Um, like they cheer at know, appropriate times and get more, quiet at yeah. yeah, more nuanced. Yeah, uh, you know, boo on a on a penalty, yay yeah. on a play. Um, they're they're team specific. Apparently, you're supposed to hear let's you know go pack go, that sort of thing. You you just sort of hear ambient noise a little bit in the stadium itself, right? And um, you know now with with some fans, I mean, it was it was absolutely like horrible in. Um, you know, in the Superdome, like that was the worst atmosphere, if you want to call it that. You might as well have been playing on the moon. You know what I mean? Like there it was, was so no quiet sound or at what? All. No sound at all. Yeah, there's no sound, and 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 they did a horrible job because at that time, I think they said they could go to sixty-five or seventy or eighty decibels, but I don't think the Saints got the memo or their building was too big because even when they would play the noise, you couldn't really hear it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they would shut it off completely, like during the commercial breaks, which was not a good thing to do. 
because then it was just like, you know, you went from to nothing to just, right. you know, just, just zero. And, and it didn't feel like football. Like and I said that at that time, I go, Oh, I, I don't think the NFL is going to stand for this for very long. Like they're going to have to let some people in. And what's amazing is that you do kind of like when you're watching the game, even, even from the stadium, it's sort of in your face, like on TV, you don't get those angles and you don't really think, especially with the crowd noise, they pipe in that it's really, it sounds and looks kind of the same. But, um, even at the stadium, like when we went to Denver and there were, I don't know, 6,000, 6,500 fans, that helped. I can't tell you that how much that helped because you could see people, you could actually, you could hear them. What um, about they it? They were to, fairly loud. What about it, Ray J, uh, for the... Same. I yeah. mean, not quite as loud as, as I thought maybe it could get, but just felt good having people in the building. It's so... Look, these guys are performers, you know what I mean? And they're competitors, number one, so they're going to go out there and, and you know compete as hard as they can. But in football in particular, you know, when you talk about sports, right, like baseball, I mean, I played baseball, and you don't, not that I played in front of large crowds. I mean, but the largest crowd I probably played in front of was maybe 15,000 in Mississippi State or something, but you don't really listen. You don't really hear the crowd because you're. It's it's pitcher against hitter. It's such a, it's a team game, but it's such an individual sport. It's like I have to beat the guy with you know with the ball in his hand, and so you're you're locked in. You're not really hearing much. Um, you know, I don't. I can't speak to basketball because I I never played anything at that level. Just high school, so I don't know what those guys go through. But you know what? I'll tell but you what in, though. When but I in football, the- you can try. Like you need to try hard. You know, like in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah effort matters right like i can i can i can play harder you can actually play harder in football and and it helps you um maybe that's true in basketball too as far as like defense or rebounding and so that crowd sort of fuels you a little bit you can feel them you can feel the emotion you can feel momentum um from the crowd you can get energy energy is the key word i was searching for and you can really get it you can't get it with with just ambient noise from a speaker. You just can't. Right. You don't feel that. You hear it, but you don't feel it. And I think for football, I think early in the year, it's been a real shock to those players, right? Because if you think about it, the offense comes off the field, and then the defense goes and plays. Well, the offense doesn't stand there and clap for the defense. They go and sit down and look at charts and meanings, right. and they get water, and they talk to their position coaches, right? So who's cheering the guys on, right? And the same thing is when the defense is on there and they make a big play. Those offensive guys are back there with their coaches and they're not. So it's it's really different for football players than I think it has been for a lot of sports. Like Now, hockey, you can speak to that. I I didn't see the level of play drop one eye. No, I thought, I the, I thought guys, the intensity was pretty strong. But I think in baseball, Rick, yeah. you hit on something with baseball is that – and I played high school baseball and, I cover, and I've covered all of them at, the, at all levels high school, college, sure. pros. And I can tell you that I think probably baseball players are more used to playing in front of nobody than anybody else. Like you probably well, played right. in a bunch of American, like you played American Legion ball, you played high school oh, ball, yeah. you know, at a good high school. And I'm sure but you played Legion there, games no. where it was like, there was like 10 people watching you, you know? And sure. these guys play inner sure. squad games all the time in spring and all that, that, that they're playing or play right. like, um, or they're on a they're on a fall leagues and stuff like that where there's nobody there. Yeah. You know, it's like people are in lawn chairs. Right. And whereas right. like whereas in football, 
I mean, most of the guys playing in the NFL played at a decent college where they're playing in front of yeah. the 30, 40, 50, 80, 100,000 people. Oh, 100,000 people. Yeah. And I've covered high school basketball, Rick. You played high school basketball. I, you covered it. I covered it around here. It's loud. The gyms are loud, even if there's nobody it's there. It's very loud, and you get a lot of people in there sometimes. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, I used to cover a bunch of games like Gibbs versus Lakewood. or I mean, those games, those Clearwater. gyms were packed. Yeah, yeah Clearwater and yeah. St. Pete High. And those gyms mm-hmm. were packed. And so I do think that the baseball players probably – so to getting back to the Yankees race series, I think – I don't know that it – I mean, certainly I'm sure they, they like it when the crowd is there. We've heard stories about – how the old Rays players complained about nobody being at the trop, but I think in this situation, sure. it's probably um, it probably feels somewhat familiar to them to play games, even though there's nobody there. Unlike other sports, where it's yeah, unfamiliar, I think it does. It's strange. I, I think it does now. Yeah, I think it does now. And and um, like I said, it, it, it didn't affect hockey. And and I'm sure if you win a title, going through this, you know, modified bubble, you probably will feel pretty good about yourself anyway. Let did me the ask Rays you this before we me, stop on well, the base. Yeah, did the Rays win this series? Yeah, Let ahead. me ask you. Did the Rays win this series? Um, what? I guess if I have to think about it, no. Um, I, I mean, I look. I, I look at the year, the forty and twenty, the the pitching and all that. I mean, I, I just think it's going to be awfully hard to to navigate that lineup every single night. Uh, and I don't. Here's the thing: if it goes seven, Tom. Or five, I'm sorry, not seven. If it goes, if it goes seven, we're in trouble. If it goes five, <laughs> then you got to make a decision. You hand in the ball to Blake Snell with one less day rest. I do. I hand it to him, and uh, and I have somebody. Uh, war- I have somebody warming up almost immediately. I mean, obviously it's Johnny Holstaff in a game five, but I would. Yeah. I wouldn't mind starting Blake Snell, and I mean he may go. You can't he can't go very go, long. I he mean, may go a third of an inning, or he may go three innings. Yeah, or whatever yeah. you know, but um, yeah. but yeah, I think I would go back to what's my you know I don't know what other options they'll probably well you know, I don't I mean you know in a game you, four probably Pearl be an guys opener. like that I mean yeah yeah or an opener you know you could spackle it together somehow I guess but I think they um, win it Rick I, I think know. they're going to win the series I think they're going to win it because I think they rough up Tanaka in game three and then game four yeah. the the Yankees are going to have a decision to make about what to do in game four Hap is no longer an option you wouldn't think. Um, and right. so uh, they're going to have to somehow piecemeal it together. And then here's the thing, Rick. I think, that I, again, I think the Rays have to win it in four in order to win it because I don't know if I want to try to beat Garrett Cole in a game five. Garrett Cole. But I also don't think mm-hmm. they're afraid of Garrett Cole. I don't think they're afraid of him. And I and he'd be pitching on a one you – know, he'd be pitching on three days rest if, they, yeah. if, if he were to pitch on Friday. So I think the Rays yeah. – Boy. I, I like it. I, I like their chances at this point. Um, you, you almost mm. feel like, oh, game one, that was a winnable game. And it, and the fact that they let it, boy, if they could have won that game, beat Garrett Cole, that would have been great. But but ultimately, that was probably a game you probably chalked up to, to a loss. You know, if I if I told you the first four games, they're going to lose one of them for sure, which one would it be? You'd yeah, probably, you'd pick that you'd one. You'd pick sure. game one, yeah. And I think they, uh, I think they fear, they're not afraid of the Yankees. That's the thing. That's the thing I've noticed. Like they're not. I think you're right. That's what I. That's what I get from this whole season in in beating them the way they did. They they do not have one bit of of knuckle under to those guys. They just don't, and it's remarkable to see because they got all the big names and the money and the you know, and all of that. But the Rays feel like they're better. They feel like they're a better team. 
Well, yeah, and not I think only they that, really believe they are. I, I believe that too, and I think that the Yankees. I think the, not that any major league they're baseball the team. Is a, in, they're in the Yankees' head a little bit. I think that that's it. That's exactly where I was headed. I think they're in the Yankees' head a little bit because after Game One, which was you know, that game was so close, and then all of a sudden the Yankees just blew it open in the ninth, and it kind of felt for a minute like, ugh, this was you know this was mm. what everybody was afraid of. That once the playoffs got here, and the Yankees had their act together, but. If they were going to fold, game two would have been the one they would they they would have folded. And even after Stanton hit the the home run, it like I said, it scared me when he hit it. Uh, it didn't scare the race, and they that was the last run that the, the, they the Yankees scored until the ninth inning. They put on a board, yeah, yeah. So um, it's, I, I I like their chances. I like the way I like their attitude. I like the way they're playing. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Upfront payment of forty-five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty-one twenty-four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty-first, twenty twenty-four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. All right, so if you could pick if you could pick a team uh for them to come out of this and you can base this on anything, but A's or Astros. I think the A I think A's Rays would be a fun series, but man, I would if you're a Rays fan, don't you want the Astros? Don't you don't want you them? want the Astros? That's Absolutely. what I was gonna say. Don't you want the Astros? Yeah. Now if you're a baseball fan, like you want the Astros out. It was like By the way, did did you hear the Astros crowing after they swept Minnesota in Minnesota two games to none? Yeah, which didn't surprise Like, what do you me. think about us now? Oh, yeah, what about us now? First of all, the Twins are like 0-20. They it, lost like 20 in a row in think, You know what? I I left Minnesota. I think you're the last guy to cover a playoff game. I, I was going to say, won. I left there in 2003. I think Wasn't that last, like Kent Herbeck or something? Like, like Almost. It was like it was, I, it was 2004. Jack Morris pitched 10 innings or something. Was that it? <laughs> that was, it's, it feels that. Seriously, I think their last playoff win, I think I saw, was like 2004 or somewhere like that, somewhere in there. That's been it, though. That's 20 games. Yeah. yeah. No, it's – yeah, so you, yeah, you didn't you do you that? accomplish much. Accomplished much yet, but now what? They're a game away, right? Um, from yeah, from getting to the to the ALCS. But and that's another team. I don't yep. think the the Rays are afraid of. I don't think they're afraid of the because they they're not the afraid of the Astros. The Astros not without no. the garbage cans. No, they're not anymore. And Tyler Glass now is not going to be tipping his pitches this time around. Now, of course, they got to get through the Yankees first, obviously. But if I had to pick one or the other, um, yeah, I think I'd. I think the A's Rays would be a fun series, but boy, I would now. Have you have you liked this uh, format? Have you liked the the way the? Would you want to see this? Person, no, I was this many teams, best of, best of three to start the. First oh, round? you know what? You know they got to. Here's what I would adjust, um, and I don't know how you do this, but my theory was, and it and it happened to the Cubs, and and, and I thought it could have happened to the Rays. I don't I don't think if you win a division, right. Um, yeah, you draw the lower seed, but that two out of three scary. Listen, we could take we could take the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? And if we go into you know into the Trop or into uh, in name name the National League ballpark and who they're playing doesn't matter, and you somehow win Game One, you're in a dogfight. I mean, it's baseball. Two out of three, 
Right. Two out of three doesn't settle anything. No, and particularly and like every team has a has a decent one ace. Everybody has like you could sure. be a, a lousy team and have one guy that can dominate. You still a, get a well pitched game in game yeah. one, and now you're fighting. Now you're fighting for two elimination games. Right. I just I think you should get more of a reward if you're that team that somehow you know makes it through. Other than a two out of three series, I mean, I recognize you get to host it. And in another year, that might matter, right? Because you'd have fans, right? So maybe maybe that is a huge advantage. I don't know. Playing at home, um, I don't know that playing at home in baseball though is is all like it's not hockey. Like I don't, I don't know how much an advantage it really is. I guess it is an advantage, but no, I see what you're I, saying I though. I mean, ultimately, like the, like you say, momentum's your starting pitching. But if yeah, uh, exactly. but I liked I did like the idea of not a wild card, like one wild card game. But you're right. Like everybody right. had to play this best of three. The Not two only out of three. The I wild cards, they need to, yeah. yeah. Somehow they need to reward the other teams and keep them out of harm's way because you run the risk of not getting the best teams through. And isn't that what we all want to see? We all want to see the best teams, you know, playing for the, for the championships. Right, right, and right. you might, might get more of an upset. Let's talk about uh, your Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Tommy. They, they did it, man. Yeah, and I'll give you Nostra Thomas here. I remember what was it? A year ago, and I'm not exaggerating. It was a year ago. Might have been more than a year. We had a conversation about the Lightning, and you said, "Yep, doesn't matter. Got to win the cup." Mm-hmm. You lost four to Columbus. None of this matters. It. They will never get past this, Rick, unless they win the cup. That's that's all this is about. And and frankly, um, there's going to be a hangover. It's going to be a hangover because they're they're not going to be able to get past it for a while. It'll be Christmas, I think you said, and there was a hangover, and I think Christmas came and went, and then COVID happened. But regardless, um, they climbed that mountain, Tom, and I mean it is, it is a cool thing. COVID, no COVID, fans, no fans. That was an intense series. I had little girls that were exhausted, not just because it was late, but because they had poured their hearts into that team. Um, it was everything you would want. Uh, in a Stanley Cup run, and they did it, and it's the most Tampa thing ever. Um, but what did you make of of the Lightning and of some of the dramatics we saw? And what I think is an all time iconic moment, certainly for Tampa sports. It's up there with Ronnie Barber's interception and uh, Marty St. Louis' goal in in, in Game Six. Um, you know, all uh, Longo's home run, Steven Stamkos playing. What was a game four and scoring a big goal is something I will never forget as long as I live. You know, Rick, and if they had won the cup, Stamkos still would have been there if he hadn't played and they won the cup. He, and he right. lifted the Stanley Cup and his name would have been on the Stanley Cup. But you know, deep down, and as much as he had with them being a part of this whole franchise for the past 10 years or however long he's been there now, and he's been a key part of this run since 2015. And the captain. The yeah. captain and all that. You know deep down he wouldn't have felt like he really contributed if he hadn't That's played right. at all. And not only did he That's play right. for three minutes or three and a half minutes or whatever it was, but he scored a huge goal. And Yeah, it was. And now he I he can he can he can retire, Rick, and he's fulfilled what he was brought here to do and he was a part of it. And I, I yeah. think the two faces, if you really the the two things that really stood out for me was watching the reaction of of Steven Stamkos picking up the Stanley Cup and John Cooper's reaction. You could tell John Cooper, 
felt like the weight of the world was lifted off him because he heard it. Look, he's he's a, he's a really confident guy. Okay, borderline cocky. You think? Yeah, he's a cocky, yeah. arrogant, and, a, and I like John Cooper. I get along with him personally. I get along with him professionally when I covered him. Like I, I think he's a good good guy, um, but he's he, you know he's he's very cocky and. He knew deep down that what the word was on him that until he won a cup, people were going to go, hmm, well, you haven't won a cup. And you could tell the relief on his face. And and also, too, and I've said this for the last several years, Rick, that Victor Hedman is the best defenseman mm. in hockey. And his performance in these playoffs was unbelievable. It was, you know, it, it was fun to watch because – Every other year, except well, I didn't cover the Columbus series because I was already over at Pointer by then. But I I covered the 2015 run where they went to the finals and lost. Covered the next year when they went to the to the Eastern Conference final, lost in Game Seven to Pittsburgh, and then I covered the year after or two years later when they went to Game Seven against the Washington Capitals and and lost that series. And it was it was interesting this year to watch it because my son is a huge Lightning fan, and I, you know being in the media for so long, covering for so long. I like for the community. I was glad at the lightning one, but I wasn't emotionally in, invested, like like most Tampa Bay people were. But it was fun to watch, and there was a part of me that that was happy for these guys too, because I knew how much they had, how what a good team put they a were, lot into uh, it, and they yeah. put a lot into it. Everybody does, obviously. I mean, Dallas deserved to win too, but it's this was a team that until they won a cup, Rick, they had they hadn't won a cup, you know. <laughs> I, if you know what I mean, I mean it was. They were a great. They were a great team, a great franchise, a great organization, well run, good players, good coaching, good ownership. They just didn't have that championship. And now, now that they've won, now we'll see what happens. Now, I thought the 2014 when they won it was in, was poised to win like three or four, or at least two more or one more for sure. Um, we'll see if this team can can repeat. It's really hard to do, but there's no asterisk on this as far as I'm concerned. This is a legitimate. This is a legitimate championship, like you mentioned. These games were intense. These games were hard played, and and um, yeah, I, I get the travel that that made that did make a difference, I'm sure. But um, but I mean, living in a bubble, I can't imagine what that was like being away from your family and friends for that long. Oh, it had to be. Yeah, that's a, that's an awful. Uh, you know, I used the word sacrifice one one night, and then somebody's you know wrote me about the military. It's not what I'm talking about. Um, with respect to John Cooper, you know what it, you know what I thought of instantly? I think I said this to my wife at the time. I go, that's like becoming a Supreme Court justice because he just now got a job for life. And I don't mean in Tampa Bay. No. I mean that if you win a Stanley Cup as a head coach in the NHL and you've got some, some years left, John Tortorella is still milking the Stanley Cup from 04. You will, you get, will never he's, be without he's got a job. A, you're exactly right. He's it's got a, a lifetime appointment to a head coaching job. Two more teams, at least. He's got two more teams in him for sure. Oh, three! Come on, unless three. he punch, unless he punches a player or something. <laughs> Although Tortorella came close <laughs> to doing ref. that too, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. No, yeah, but Tortorella did. since then has coached what? He's coached uh, the uh, the Rangers, three or four Rangers, right? Vancouver, Columbus. Was there not? Is there another one in there, Steve? I think. Uh, that might I think. Be. Well, that's yeah. I think those that's are the, three. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm telling you, if Columbus let him go tomorrow, somebody's hiring him. He's got one more probably in him. Um, I think Mike, he's got one more. Mike Keenan won a Stanley Cup in in uh, in with the Rangers and coached a bunch more teams after that. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock, um, 
has won a Stanley Cup. I, he's he's coached a bunch. You're right. You win a Stanley Cup. It's like any sport, though. You win a World Series. You win a Super Bowl. You win. You, but there's not that many, right? Like, how many guys are coaching in the NHL right now that have a Stanley Cup? Yeah. Half a dozen. Well, I'll, I'll give you another example. Peter Laviolette just got hired again as the the coach of the Washington Capitals. Uh, he's taken several teams to the Stanley Cup finals, but he won a cup and he keeps getting jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, you're absolutely right about John Cooper. Now. I'm curious if if they had flamed out early on, would he, you know, would they have made a change there? Would I don't the know. Lighting have thought about that's the other thing. Like this was if a big moment it, for sure. the organization that that if they don't win the cup this year, okay, now it's like all right, now look now look at your history. You lost the Stanley Cup finals. Now you've gone backwards. You lost two Eastern Conference finals uh, after having three two leads in both of those series. Then you get swept by Columbus, and then if you had flamed out in these playoffs, at that point you're going to be like. Something's got to change. We either got to blow this thing up, change coaches, do something. But it's funny how it works. Yeah, they they win the cup, and now you're like, now how do we keep the band together? Which will be really hard to do at this point. But yeah, they're going to lose some pieces. Tyler Johnson probably, maybe Alex Kalorn. Although Doc Talk is awfully awfully popular, so I don't know about that. Um, you know, it, it was it was it was great to see. I mean, it was great to see. Now, let me ask you this, because these guys were in a bubble, as you mentioned, for 60-something days, whatever it was. And, and I mean, you know, uh, they missed birthdays. They missed anniversaries. I'm sure they missed, you know, watching some of their young kids grow, um, sporting events, all of that. So there is there is that, right? Um, but when they came back, Tom, did it feel like a super spreader event to you? I mean, in oh, other yeah. words, you had the boat parade and you had people – Shoulder to shoulder, you know, across the bridges, and then they did this thing at at the stadium, and I don't know. The NHL to me has become, and tell me when this started, okay? Like a lot of sports, right? They they win a championship, you get the champagne bath, you know, you get all of that in the post game, okay? Is it supposed to be a, a month bender now? Is that is that the routine we're talking about? Are you supposed <laughs> but- to see just how hammered you can all get? At one time, over the course of I don't know, at least at least a week. I mean, well, yeah, Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin I think Ovechkin. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say he was drunk for about three. He months raised after. the bar, or in this case, did, yeah. lowered the bar, or kept the bar open, or whatever he did. I don't know. <laughs> built the bar, burned it down, built it again. Yeah, yeah. It was. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah I, you know, I was a little disappointed in in the celebration. I get. I mean, there's a part of me that understands because they didn't get a chance to really celebrate this cup with their fans through along the way you know the rick you've you've covered some of these things you've been a part of it you've seen it you've covered super bowls you've been in teams that have gone to championships there is that moment where it's really there's this bond between the fans and every other night they're playing they go on the road and they come home and i used to when i covered those teams uh the 2015 team um that went to the finals and the other teams that went to the conference finals I can remember they used to have a lot of press conferences at the airport, at the little airport where they flew in, at, you know, the private yeah. part mm-hmm. next to Tampa Airport. Hangar one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there would be fans waiting for them when they came back from games or on their, on, you know, and or yeah. on their, when they were heading out of town. And mm-hmm. to see the, uh, that bond. And then, of course, covering the games, um, you know, 20,000 people and people outside in the, in the plaza there. Uh, so I Crazy. get that they that they missed all that and they wanted to somehow make up for it. They wanted to share it. They, they wanted, wanted to, to share, share it with the fans too. Yeah. Right. And I. I, I mean, I'm it, not. 
Look, I'm not knocking the fact that they wanted to do these things. No, I, <laughs> I mean, mean, that's it's... the tradition. I mean, that's what you should do. It just came across to me as like, um, there was a reason you were in a bubble. And yeah, right. And I don't know. And, and the thing about the trophy, right, the thing the about the Stanley Cup, the, the greatest trophy to win, right, in all of sport, Lord Stanley's Cup, right? But it's the one trophy where you're supposed to kiss, hand off, and oh yes, drink something out of it. Right. And I mean like from a communal standpoint. Yeah. That was a little unnerving. Yeah, I mean it, me. it bothered me less that they were when they were in the bubble, but then when they got out and I you saw a video of like of players pouring champagne in just, the just fans' mouths. Like, fans oh down the street. Uh, yes, like I yeah, what are we doing? So, well, yeah, so, that was that know. was sad. But but I'll tell you what, too, Rick, though, this this it's kind of a weird thing, too. Now we are talking about asking Tyler Johnson to waive his no trade. And isn't it weird that you go through this like incredible run of five years and then you finally get over the top and you win a championship. And then like a few days later, like, hey, man, we're, we're thinking about trading you like to another team. That's got to be a weird yeah. thing. And it's obviously the, the fans want to see every player return. But right. you can't keep everybody, and eventually at some point you no. might end up losing some more, some guys like an Anthony Sorelli or Mikhail Sergachev or yeah. people like that too. Um, but um, well, it's, it was those guys are bound forever. I mean, they're bound forever yes. as champions. So yeah, and it's you know just to, to watch too that um, everything you know. Steve, I, I thought about Steve Eiserman, he how he helped sort of orchestrate this team and Julie and. Um, but and, but give Breezebaugh credit because yeah Breezebaugh yeah he 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 added people and to this I mean team. he was all in he gave up draft pick after first round draft pick right but he he recognized that we what we needed um, speaking from his standpoint what he what he needed right um, was some some grinders some size it's going to have to rent some guys that weren't going to be you know were going to be free agents after this year and he did what what it was required and he got the cop. And it was only going to work if he got the cup. I mean, it would have been probably set the organization back a few years. But you know what? I'm I'm one of those people. Look, I cover a team that has a 43 year old quarterback. You know, <laughs> um, they're not buying green bananas over there at one buck anymore either. I can tell you. And so, I'm I'm of the mindset that I don't care what who you are in sport. Like, you need to win. If you got a chance to win, go all in and try to win. Don't they're not the about, Buffalo Bills anymore, Rick. They're not know. the Buffalo Bills anymore. They're not the that's Atlanta. Right. I mean, they won a championship. I know, yeah, the Braves won a championship that's in the nineties, right. but that this makes but up for everything. Board. This yeah. makes up for the sweep to Columbus. This makes up yes. for losing in the conference finals and then blowing three two leads and losing in the in the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. This makes it now it's just the icing on everything. And now you can look back and say, Wow, what a great run. Even if it sort of ends in the next couple of years, you can look back at this entire sure. time and say, "What a great run that was from fifteen to twenty, and they won a cup during that time." So, yeah, and for that team to win the first cup, I mean, together in, in the core, it was great. And hey, that was so much fun. Let's do it again. We'll have Tom Jones back, and we're going to get you ready for Bucks at Chicago Bucks Bears coming up on Thursday night football, and it'll be Game Three of the American League Divisional Series between the Rays and the Yankees. My thanks to Tom Jones for Steve Burstick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 